Hey, it's Talib. Fast Co. Works has a bonus episode for you today. It's part of a custom podcast called Intelligence at Work, a special series about the future of employment produced in partnership with Ceridian. We'll be back next week with another episode of Fast Break. I'm Abigail Bassett, and this is Intelligence at Work, a custom podcast from Fast Co. Works and Ceridian. In this series, we'll hear from industry leaders on how technology is disrupting payment structures, how companies will return to the office, and about overall financial wellness. Today's episode, what every company needs to know about returning to work. Joining me today is Terry Lightgeb, Chief People Officer at David's Bridal. Terry, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So walk me through what happened when the pandemic first hit. What steps did David's Bridal take to keep both your customers and your associates safe? Well, gosh, when the pandemic first hit, I think everyone was a little bit uncertain about how it would play out. One of the things we did very early on was think about health and safety protocol. And we published, you know, ways of managing exposure very early on to everyone in the field and in the business. But really, things started to heat up, of course, when President Trump first declared the emergency order. I think it was around March 13th. And from then on, you know, David's Bridal, like most retailers, went into shutdown mode and started, you know, closing stores all across the country. So, you know, it was pretty heavy lifting really early on, really trying to understand what staff we could keep on, who we had to furlough, how we would support our employees through that process, through the closure, and putting all the right sort of steps in place. You know, in in many ways, sort of the decision we took to close all stores at the same time was easier than taking it one at a time. So it was sort of like one approach that we could roll out across the nation. And so much of retail and the the whole bridal and wedding experience is such an emotional aspect of interacting with the David's Bridal brand. How did you manage customer expectations as they moved through the pandemic? I mean, were you constantly communicating or what was the approach that you took? From a customer perspective, I think we did the very best that we could, both in terms of posting, of course, on all the relevant sites about either stores being closed or different kind of operating procedures. We have the great benefit of being an appointments-based business, and we have lots of great information on hand of our customers. So there was a lot of personal outreach. You know, we had a lot of contact from our customer service center, too, to follow up case by case on orders that may have been impacted by changes in shipping, but also just, you know, to help customers understand what would happen to their product if it was in the store, how could they maybe still pick it up. So it was really, you know, I think we try to tackle it from both angles, communicating through in the regular kind of marketing channels and, you know, updating our information on our website and Google, et cetera, but then also the personal touch. What about how you communicated, especially to your associates and your managers at at different stores? Because, you know, working with hourly and, and temporary workers in some ways, how did you manage outreach to your associates and each store? Yeah, you know, I mean, that, of course, for me in my role was was of utmost concern. And historically, especially for our store teams, we've relied heavily on the sort of cascade through the store management team to get messages out to our employees. And we still relied on that to some extent, you know, relaying messages to our store managers with whom we have 
easy ways of communicating one-to-one with and then relying on them to make the phone calls or, you know, to make sure they were briefing teams in stores. But then we also used our HRIS system. You know, we use Dayforce. We use that as a messaging system to the extent we have email addresses on hand for employees. We did all of the normal communications that we would have done either through our internal intranet or through the store manager cascade. We posted them all through our HR system that employees were accessing on a regular basis, you know, to get their pay stubs, et cetera. So, you know, our approach was sort of like communicate often, communicate in multiple different channels to ensure that we were getting the message out to everybody. And how closely do you work with health officials in a situation like that? Sort of how are you getting your information and, you know, verifying it essentially as you work through that sort of cascading effect? You know, early on, that was probably the most anxious time because we knew so little about the virus and there was no rule book for how to respond to this. So one of the things we did very early on is we wanted to know who our health department was local to that store so that when questions came up or situations, we could get authoritative information locally. But in parallel, you know, we followed CDC guidelines and we followed them very closely. And when necessary, we erred on the side of caution. So Ultimately, I think that allowed us to build a blueprint for a health and safety protocol that worked across the country. How pivotal was your executive team in making these kinds of decisions and deciding which direction to go in terms of mandating mask wearing, you know, hand washing, limiting the number of customers or the number of, say, bridesmaids or family members in a store at once? What role did the rest of the executive team have as you guys managed through this? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was absolutely a team effort. And we always tried to have it be based on data, in fact, to the extent that we could. You know, I'm sure like in in most organizations, when the pandemic first hit, we had daily calls. Every morning started with an executive team call where we reviewed what the current status was, what the new orders were coming through states or from the CDC, what the guidelines were, and really debating the right call to make, again, for both our employees and the business. You know, and it wasn't necessarily always straightforward. We certainly disagreed at times about what the right call would be, but lots of healthy debate until we got to the answer that we could all stand behind. So definitely a team effort. You know, the legal team with their scrubbing of the executive orders, the store ops team with understanding, you know, what our customers' needs would be and, you know, the staffing required to deliver on that. Marketing, certainly from the perspective of what do we need to do as a brand and, you know, how do we communicate using our marketing channels, merchandising from how do we manage the supply chain flow. I mean, it was absolutely a team effort. Along those lines, as you sort of suddenly had to evolve the business, right, from this in-person, you know, very intimate sort of experience for both your customers and your associates and your stores, you had to move everything essentially online. Tell me about that process and tell me about some of the the challenges you faced down as you decided to move the business to a digital platform. I mean, one of the greatest learnings I think we had as a business through the pandemic was how much 
we were capable of delivering in a short period of time. And for me, that really played itself out in the digital space. So, you know, much of what we rolled out to help support us in the pandemic have been thought of and have been in the works. But, you know, necessity really drove the acceleration of that. You know, we moved a lot of our servicing to chatbot through live chat, where we could both service and sell to the customer. We've been refining our website for some time now. We've added things like augmented reality so you could get a better view of the product and its detail and its beauty to help customers make a happy decision to purchase online. We implemented virtual appointments using Zoom, where our expert stylists could still meet face-to-face with someone and talk through what their needs were and show them product, etc. And then other things just to help the bride feel good about having having a happy time planning planning one of the most important days of our life. You know, we added things like checklists and vision boards to our website so that, you know, she could still engage with us, stay connected with us, and get excited about the prospect of planning a wedding despite the pandemic. Intelligence at Work, a special series within Fast Break, is sponsored by Ceridian, a global technology company that is modernizing HR and payroll within today's evolving world of work. Ceridian's innovation, Dayforce Wallet, changes the way employees get paid. It's an app that gives employees real-time access to their earnings without having to wait until their traditional payday, at no additional cost to employer or employee. This can help employees better manage unexpected expenses, minimize financial stress, and take greater control over their financial well-being. Stay tuned to learn more about how Ceridian helps companies prepare for the future of work. How do you think the shift to more virtual, more digital platform for David's Bridal has impacted both the customer but also the employee as we go forward? That's a great question. And I got to say, you know, I think the pandemic will have taught us lessons that will stick around for some time. And, and I think there will be some things where the pendulum will swing back. So At the end of the day, I think the full end-to-end experience of going to try on your wedding gown for most brides, my opinion, won't change that significantly and move all the way to digital. I think brides-to-be still want that experience with with their girls. They want to have the boozy lunch beforehand. They want to have their mom there and their grandma or whoever is most important to them. You know, they want to have that real-life experience. But I think where it's changed, you know, for our employees, our thinking is really continuing to force a really digital mindset. So I don't think we can rely on the fact that brides will probably always prefer to have that special moment in person. And we need to always be thinking about how do we offer up a way for our customer to shop online and offline and how can we make that experience as seamless for her or him as possible. Along those lines, I'm curious about the technology that you use to communicate with your employees. Are we talking about a future world where employees are going to get text messages from maybe not necessarily their manager, but from, you know, corporate to say, hey, your store is now open and, you know, you need to touch base with your manager to figure out what your schedule is. What does that look like? Because it sounds a little bit to me like it's becoming a little bit more intimate, like more one to one instead of many to one communication when it comes to managing employees and expectations, especially during these uncertain times. Uh, Look, I think you're spot on with that. And I think that absolutely is the vision. One thing we know for sure is, you know, as a result of digital or maybe digital's growth is as a result of people's preference, 
most people prefer to text rather than to pick up the phone. And they prefer to text rather than to read an email. So I think you've got to meet your employees where they are, just like you have to meet your customers where they are. So I think that definitely is an ambition for us to be able to even things like chatbots for employees, you know, whether it's about their schedule or whether it's their everyday questions about my payroll, my pay stub is wrong, or I don't understand these benefits, you know, just creating, like you said, quick, reliable replies to our employees that feel very personal, you know, the highest level of service to our employees the way we would offer it to our customers. So much of retail and both on the corporate end and on the customer end are about relationships, to your point. One of the things that we talked about, and it is kind of a touchy subject, is about that the the issue that social distancing and mask wearing have become just a weighted topic. As an HR professional, as someone who has to manage the conversation, how have you worked in this space? What advice would you give other retailers trying to navigate this rather contentious at times topic? Um Right. And if you think about the timing right now, when we're having this conversation, it's even more amplified, you know, considering the outcome of the presidential election and the ongoing debate and contest over it. Look, I think at the end of the day, you cannot ignore the elephant in the room. The best executive team is still a group made up of individuals who all come with their own set of ideas, thoughts, beliefs, and their own experience and how they were raised in the environment they grew up in. And you can't ignore that those differences don't exist. So, I mean, the only advice I could give to, you know, my peers or to any anyone really is you have to be bold and you have to be courageous and you have to be willing to have the difficult conversations. I think you have to also be careful not to try to debate a political point of view to try to convince someone otherwise, but rather have dialogue around what the facts are so you can understand what is the right answer for the business, what's the right answer for your customers, and most importantly, what's the right answer for your employees at the end of the day, regardless of what your political views are. And that's not always easy. And, you know, it ruffles feathers sometimes, and it means you have to be able to have a lot of trust in your leadership team to be able to have those debates and come out the other side with an answer that everyone gets behind. How do you help people, both your employees and your executive team, step back and say, hey, wait a minute, let's get logical about this. You know, let's have a dialogue instead of a debate, because those two things are distinctly different. I think at the end of the day, you have to be really clear on what you're trying to achieve, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? You know, do you want to be right or do you want to have a viable business and employees who stay with you and customers who adore you and, and are loyal to and continue to shop with you? And if you look at it through that lens, my hope is that people can come to the right conclusions. I mean, I hope this for, for our business. I hope my hope is for our country, too, that people can really start looking at, you know, what is it that we need to achieve as, as a country? What do we need to achieve as a company? And then come to compromise and be realistic about, you know, what it is we need to do to, to get through these tough times. And finally, I'm really curious about how all of this translates into the future of retail as we move forward, whether or not we reenter a second wave of the pandemic or we end up getting rid of this one and facing another or facing another challenge, both as a country, but also as a company leader. What do you see the future of retail shaping up to be? 
That is one giant question, my dear. (laughs) Um, And if I had a crystal ball, I would be on the consulting circuit and I'd be a rich woman. But um, look, I think it's another inflection point for retail. And, you know, let let me talk a little bit about the wedding industry first. I think some of the shifts we've seen in the wedding industry and therefore in our business around how people have responded to the pandemic, they're likely to stick around, right? So people are doing mini-monies and, you know, backyard ceremonies. I think there's been a focus on prioritization. You know, the pandemic certainly, I think, has brought home to people, what really matters to me? What do I really value? Maybe it's made some people more minimalist. Maybe it's made them want to invest less in big, fancy fill-in-the-blank and and instead focus on the things that really matter, family, togetherness, etc. And and then I think the pendulum will swing back the other way. You know, I don't think the days of big, glitzy weddings and expensive ball gowns and, you know, all of the traditional ways that we've celebrated some of those big moments are gone. I think the biggest shift that retail has been going through despite, you know, even before the pandemic, but probably accelerated by the pandemic, is this continual shift to don't just sell me something, provide me convenience, provide me service, and that's how I'm going to make my choices. And I think that's in part why we've seen such a shift to online shopping in the digital space because people can get what they want, but they can get it in a much more convenient way. And that, I believe, is going to continue. And retailers will have to continually think about how can they reinvent themselves, you know, to stay relevant and to differentiate themselves from the players that are already out there. Well, Terry, I want to thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. And I think there is so much value to be taken from this discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. That's all for this episode of Intelligence at Work. Fast Break will be back with new episodes next week. Intelligence at Work is produced by Fastco Works in partnership with Ceridian. I'm Abigail Bassett. Our producer is Avery Miles.